Hi, everyone, and welcome to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, a weekly rewatch podcast for TV shows, movies, and who knows, perhaps listening to Velvet Underground as your record store is being destroyed. My name is Mike Kilty. Now I'm Nick Farrow. How you doing today, Nick? I am doing not bad. It has been trying a <laughs> couple of hours with my cough, and we were pretty touch and go last episode as I started to lose my voice a tad from a little bit too much talking, but the magic of editing, you might not even notice. Suddenly, Nick sounds a lot raspier with his second thought. <laughs> but we are rounding down our season of Loki now that it's Thursday, I hope, and we've managed to get through Lower Deck Season 10 of Season 4. Loki is all you've got for us for the time being. So it's been an interesting journey so far. And I'm very excited for what comes next. But I got to ask you, Loki, as of episode five here, I don't think there's a, a season three planned, but do you want one? Do you think it'll get a, another season? What do you think that might be if it does? I don't know, because at this point, Marvel is starting to rethink their TV strategy, which is good because their TV strategy right now is not that great. So it would not surprise me if they do give Loki another season, but I'm not sure how that's going to fit in and if it is even going to be in phase five or phase six. So I don't know, but if I was a betting person, I would probably say that the renewal odds are probably not great. And Marvel is probably going to have to shift their focus. And probably, especially after this season of Loki, they got to put Tom Hiddleston back in the movies. Yeah, I would absolutely love to see him back on the big screen. It's one of those situations where he wasn't one of the main Avengers, but he's been around for so long at this point. You got to find a home for him yeah. and not as a villain. Or he could be an anti-hero. He could be mad. He could be bad. He could show you his dark side. So I think we should see more of him. Put him on a team with somebody doing something, whether that be the TVA in the future or another super team. He's really good with Owen Wilson. Find another dynamic where it's him and another dude or lady even and give them like a buddy cop situations where they have to traverse something and i don't know i just i want to see more tom hiddleston but whether yeah. that be here there or anywhere yeah i would have to agree with that so i don't know i don't think the renewal odds are very good for that because i think at this point marvel just needs to focus a lot more of their attention on making sure that these movies get right as well so they've already talked about decreasing the amount of content that we are getting from them which i think is the right choice but I think that's going to come at a cost of all of these other TV shows, which other than What If, this is the only one that got a second season. We've talked about this a bunch, how they need to start utilizing these specials a little bit more. You gave us two of them and you haven't done another one. A word a of a third. In a long Weird. time. Also coming out this past week, Nick, did you happen to catch any of this variety story on Marvel that feels about a couple months too late? Yeah, I did. My buddy sent it over to me and I was surprised. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. 
it's like a little too late. Why are we ragging on Marvel now? They last month announced, hey, yeah, we figured out that quantity over quality is just not a winning formula. We need to back to basics, get those budgets down, do everything that needs to be done to provide the audience with cohesive viewing experience. We're revamping shows. We're taking shows that we have announced as shows and maybe making the movies because we understand that if we only have a two and a half hour, three hour story, it'd probably be easier to make it a two and a half hour to two hour movie rather than stretching it to six hours of television. They're doing all the right things. They're saying all the right things. And here Variety comes in like a drunk two days later and it's like, and another thing, Marvel. Why are you trying to kick these guys after they've already come out of their spiral? They had their intervention. We don't need you to tell them they have a problem. They know. Mm -hmm. It seemed really weird. I did enjoy getting a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain and some things like the Blade stuff. Like I had not known about a lot of what was going on backstage with the Blade movie. I always thought it was weird that Mahershala Ali got signed on so early and announced, announced so, early. so early. That's like, the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get Mahershala Ali, you lock that in. You make it so it's very hard for him to suddenly go, I changed my mind. But I feel like we should have had Blade already with as early as they announced him. But now we know it's because there's been so much nonsense going on behind the scenes that they can't nail down a story that works. So mm-hmm. I think the only thing in the variety of story that I was learning for the first time that I was a little bit concerned about, don't bring back the OG Avengers. It just negates the gravity that they had with their deaths in Endgame. Leave them alone because you also have a deep bench of other characters. Prop those people up, you know? Like, we don't need to bring back Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson. That's a panic move. I agree, but if you had a story like a Secret Wars where multiverses exist, I wouldn't be opposed to them coming back for a cameo in those movies. Cameo in the sense of like No Way Homes. Their characters in that movie and it would be nice to see them again with the understanding that they're not our if they play it up like we're supposed to love them the way we love the other ones just because they're variants that would annoy me because Mm -hmm. i know they got away with it with loki and the question always was at the beginning of season one how am i supposed to care about this loki he's not the same loki it's a different loki and i think they did it well but that's a thing that six episodes of a television show can do that's why loki season one worked so much because they earned you caring about this version of Loki. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can do that with a movie without making it all about them. So I don't want to see that. But I would like that moment to happen. And it's already been floated out there. Like, that's what they want to do. Because you got to have your big splash page moment in Secret Wars, just like in Infinity Wars and Endgame. But yeah, I know I agree. If you're doing it as a last ditch effort to try and save face because, you know, Robert Downey Jr. commands an audience, that's not the right reasons. But I don't think that's what they're doing because they've already said they're going back to the drawing board and they're going to do what works. And I know Kevin Feige knows that that doesn't. So we shall see. And I think you mentioned this before we talked. This piece coming out so close to the Marvels coming out just seems like, man, just 
kick a person while they're down, right? Mm-hmm. There's already kind of some negative press around the Marvels between it's not projected to do that great with a high budget and the director is very checked out from all of this and their stars can't promote it because studios can't get their shit together and pay their actors. So it's not looking great. It kind of makes it, you wonder how come they possibly didn't delay it. Or are they you, uh, at okay. this point? You're you're it, right. No, it, I agree with well, you. But I can answer my own question because they probably already delayed it enough times. Well, they, yeah, I mean it's been delayed like uh, a thousand times at this point. But you've got nothing slated for February. The only reason not to move it at this point is either because they've already lost too much money as a result of moving it, or they don't think the SAG strike is going to be over by then. And so what does it matter at this point? Why bother moving it? You're still not going to have your actors to promote it in February. And that concerns me because, guys, pay the actors. What are we doing? Stop trying to get around it. This is ridiculous at this point. Greed is very much a thing, you know? It sure is. But it's daylight savings time, so do you think we should get into this episode? Yeah. Let's do it. This week we will be watching Season 2, Episode 5, Science Fiction. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. 30 seconds of Marvel logo. One week reprieve. What happened, happened, guys? You had us. We were there. We were ready to give you all our love. You had me. You had me at hello. Then you'd fall back into your same old tropes. Monsters. And we cut to a shot of Loki by himself as the TVA is in disarray and about to be destroyed. Everyone is gone, somehow. I don't know how he's not gone, but everyone else is. And he's all alone as the loom is failing in the background. He starts to walk around the TVA looking for anyone to help and finds that it is completely empty. Loki starts to time slip again and disappears into the Time Theater. I don't remember it being called the Time Theater, but that's a cool name for it. He disappears to the Time Theater where he sees someone, says hello, and then time slips again. I have a question. uh, I, I don't think I have an answer, but okay. I mean, yeah, they tell you immediately who it was, but who did you think it was? I thought it was Loki, because it's the only logical answer for me at that point, because the only other person that I thought it could have been was Brad. Oh, okay. Because I thought it was a different person. Who would you think it was? I thought it was He Who Remains, or a variant version of I thought at first, like, oh, are they setting up that the end of next week, we would be introduced to one of the three in-charge Kangs from the end of the Ant-Man, where all the Kangs at the Coliseum O'Kang showed up at. But like one of the three main Kangs, I was like, I'm guaranteeing you right now. But why do they put a guarantee on the box then? Because they know all they sold you was a guaranteed piece of shit. One of those guys is in episode six. Like, he's who is going to remain, essentially, as the dun-dun-dun to credits as the episode ends, like, the setup. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Yeah, I was about to say I don't, that I, I don't think at all. Like, I have very little faith that this show is going to end in any kind of satisfying way. 
I'm still holding out hope because hope is harder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still holding out that this show is going to stick the landing. And I feel kind of stupid for saying that, but a small part of me does think that they'll stick the landing. And do you want me to give you my theory now or do you want me to to save it? Uh, let's save it for the end. It'll be our wrap-up closing thoughts. We'll give our predictions for how the show will come to an, a close. He goes back to the TVA and goes back into the time theater where he finds a copy of the TVA manual. Suddenly, the TVA starts to spaghetti disintegrate into strands of time as Loki time slips. We go to our Loki logos, and 367 logos later, we cut to a prison where a group of men are looking to escape. A horn blares that there is an unaccounted for prisoner along with an alarm. And we see this group exit out of a grate outside. A caption reads that we are in 1962 branch timeline at Alcatraz Island. Welcome to the rock. Turns out one of the escaping prisoners is none other than Casey Ferd. The three men start pulling a boat towards the water when Loki shows up after time slipping right onto the beach with them, relieved to see a familiar face. However, Casey Ferd doesn't recognize Loki. The other prisoners are wondering why Loki keeps calling him Casey as they know him to be Frank, which causes some back and forth between them but loki time slips away as the three prisoners aren't looking and they get on their merry way back to bringing the boat to the river we then jump to a mcdonald's very similar to the one that sylvie's at so yeah we hit the mcdonald's but only for a moment because he's quickly sent to another location with a wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. He then time slips back to the TVA, no longer spaghettified, and it's the interrogation room from season one that he spent most of the first episode in. Loki then time slips to a branch 2012 New York timeline. B-15 is in this timeline as a doctor, and she's being very sweet to a young girl with a broken arm. She then signs the girl's cast, Don't Climb Trees, as Loki appears in the hallway. B-15 walks out of the office just in time to see Loki time slip away again to her absolute horror. What the f- She does look pretty shocked. It looks, as Mobius said in the first episode, it looks awful. Yeah. And unfortunately, also, this is the most that we get of B-15 this entire episode. Or Dr. B-15, as I call her through most of this. I wish I could go back in time to episode one, Nick, and tell him that he's a big old fool for saying, I'm really excited to see what B-15's expanded role gets to do this season. Because it seems like she's going to have a lot to do. Because that was just a bad prediction. Good job. We cut to a shot of Mobius riding a jet ski. So there you go. That's one of your predictions that you kind of got right. You said it was going to be the first scene in this episode. I I did. I did. I said it would open up on a jet ski. But it was Mobius's first scene. So I'm going to take half a credit on that one. Yeah, you take half a credit on that. Did Mobius appear on a jet ski in this episode? He did. That's all I needed to hear semantics on that that's great damn right and a caption that says 
2022 branch timeline in Cleveland, Ohio. Mobius is hard selling personal watercrafts, not jet skis, personal watercrafts, and his customer walks away. Loki reappears, flailing like the tube man. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was a little, a little bit on the nose. But he reappears at the dealership, walks in and sees Mobius. Loki says the TVA is gone, and Mobius says, I think you mean ATV, and no, you're in luck. Mobius doesn't remember him, though. He gets a call from both his sons, and then Loki disappears again. We cut to a bookstore where someone is getting a book from the shelf. We see a caption that says, we're now in a branched 1994 timeline in Pasadena, California. California. The man brings up a book called The Zartan Contingent to the checkout desk. Camera pans to see that it's Ouroboros. The checkout lady tries to scan the book and it's not being recognized. The checkout lady opens the book and sees that OB, a.k.a. A.D. Doug, is the author of the book and then asks him, Are you buying your own book? Another worker jumps in and says that he can't just put his book on the shelf without permission and that nobody is going to buy them. So she gives the books back and he tells OB slash AD to leave. I mean, I get, I got it by the end, but I was like, why is he trying to buy a book that doesn't scan? And why is he trying to convince the person working there that they should buy it? But it was a little cute scene with him. It's nice to see Hee Kwan getting to do kind of like a different character here. That was a nice little touch. So OB slash AD goes back to his lab, which I thought was cute that they clearly just redressed. It is clearly the the repairs. Yeah, the repair bay set. Mm -hmm. I like little details like that. That's nice. It's the kind of thing you do when you're doing like a Moon Knight episode five, where now suddenly he's in an alternate reality. Things from his real life are appearing everywhere, but he's not really where he thinks he is. I'm sure that this is just a budgetary thing. They redressed the set to make it look like it, but it would have been nice if there was some kind of enhanced element to that. But well, that's just me. It's also just funny that they redress this set, even though at the beginning of this season, you were like, oh, we've got money. We've got money now. You spent all that money on something. No, we'll talk about this later. I think we all know where a lot of the money for this season went. So Loki time slips right in front of Obi and says, What I'm about to tell you is going to be hard to believe. And Obi says, of course he believes him. It's a dream come true that one of his characters has come to life and needs his help. It reminds him of what happens in the Sons of Yeoman. Loki asks what that is. And Obi says, My most popular book of all time. I'm sure I can find your copy somewhere around here. Loki asks OBAD if he's a writer, and OBAD proudly replies, yes, science fiction. Loki is doomed. OBAD says he had to get a PhD to keep his day job of teaching theoretical physics at Caltech. I mean... Oh, dear Lord. Sure. You had to get a PhD just so that you can continue your science fiction writing His day job is being a theoretical physicist at one of the most prestigious schools in the country. That's his day job. That would be if you felt the need to get like a PhD in finance or something like that, just so that you can continue to do this podcast. I mean, that's pretty much where we're headed, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. So so Loki is excited that he's still actually a scientist, which should help. 
and explains that he needs to go back to the TVA before the temporal loom fails. Obi says, You can't. It's impossible. But don't let that stop you. Obi AD then suggests that Loki finds a way to control his time slipping and explains that Loki always finds a way to be exactly around the people that he's looking for. Wait, uh, is, is that true? I mean, of the places that he's been slipping to, we he slipped to Casey. He slipped outside of McDonald's. Today, slipped... today, like in this episode, yes, that's true. However, has that all? Oh, you're talking been about the case? in the first time he was time slipping? Because I certainly recall that one of the places that he time slipped was an empty room. Yeah, sure did. Okay, I mean. In his most recent bout of time slipping, Obi is taking a huge leap in logic here because he hasn't met Mobius yet in his place. He wasn't facing the McDonald's, so one could argue he may not have realized he was at the McDonald's. He did see B-15 and he did see Casey. So I guess two out of five and three if you count Obi, maybe that counts. As he's going towards people's friends, essentially. Yeah. I don't know. I It is a bit of a leap. He does have a PhD in theoretical physics, so I, sure. I guess we'll have to give it to him. Sure. The writers told we us can. to. Yeah, that is kind of where I'm getting at. We can't explain this away, so why don't we say, hey, it matters who you're trying to find when it comes to this time slipping, and... That's going to be the explanation that you get, even though it yeah. kind of I mean, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We'll get to it later, but they're setting up that his friends are very connected to his time slipping. Obi explains that Loki is not only slipping through time, but also space. He asks Loki why he needs to do this, and Loki says he wants to save everything. Obi suggests to focus on the why for the time slipping. We then are treated to the world's lamest montage of the various ways that Loki is trying to force himself to time slip. Then we're gonna need a montage. This is not the world's lamest montage. I mean, there was no music. It was just Loki making some really weird poses. Okay, fine. You win. World's lamest montage. After Loki has given up this attempt at trying to time slip on purpose, Obi hits him with an electric shock and realizes that pain isn't a trigger for it. He then also tries to scare him and determines that fight or flight doesn't seem to be doing it. He then says that he probably needs to get all of his friends into one place. We're putting the band back together. So that they can use their collective auras from that particular moment in time that he needs to get to and treat it like coordinates. They'll scan the cosmos, I guess, somehow, which is interesting that he's so sure that they can do this because Loki hasn't given him the book yet. So I guess they're just kind of winging it. This plan makes no sense. Okay, good. I'm not the only one who thinks that. You... I'm just saying, I'm confused. So... Mm -hmm. There's just one problem to all of this. They don't have a temp pad. Loki realizes that he just so happens to have a TVA manual and he hands it to OB so that he can build one. So I am going to write a bestseller. And just as he does give the book to OB, then he time slips away. 
We cut to a suburban area with a nice house, and Loki is standing in front of the home of Mobius slash Don, who's bringing in the garbage cans inside and yelling at his kids about their toys. Mobius Don notices a toy that is burnt, and he confronts his son with it, who is in the process of burning something else. Mobius Don's son, named Kevin, Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. Is asking where he got the matches from, and then his son replies, I stole them. Uh, he's a little bit of a sociopath, isn't he? A little bit. Kevin is asked to give the matches back, and he promptly runs away. Mobius Don then asked his other son, Sean, to go get Kevin. Sean has promised a puppy if he can get Kevin back without having the house burned down. Loki comes up to Mobius Don and says hello. Then Mobius Don starts asking him questions about ATVs and where Loki's from. Mobius Don brings him back into the garage and shows him a jet ski. Loki says he's not there to buy a jet ski and tries to explain everything about the TVA and everything that's happened. Before Mobius Don goes to hit Loki with a wrench, a portal opens and out comes OBAD. Loki is shocked to see OBAD. He successfully built a very large and crude looking tempad, which yeah, it was. I, I it was thought, a big old tempad. I thought that was hilarious. And I'm sure it's not exactly what I'm sure the first tempad prototype looked like, but. I'm sure that's how it started. I like how the time door is not exactly stable. Blips and bloops a little. Like Glitches a little was, bit. Yeah. Fun. OB really is our best character in this season. Oh, yeah. That's not Loki. Hands down. Loki asked how the tempad was built so fast. And OB says it took him 19 months. And I had to take a break and move out when I lost my job and my wife left me. Moby Don is confused, and Loki promises he can make sense of everything. The three of them proceed to go through a portal to test it out, and Moby Don is struggling with how distorted his reality is becoming. Loki pleads with Moby Don and says he belongs with the Time Variance Authority, and... You saved my life when I first arrived. You saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. Mobius Don asked if Loki and OBAD are his friends, and Loki replies, yes, OBAD is messing with his prototype tempad, trying to get the portal back on the ground, and Mobius Don is wondering how come he doesn't remember anything, and Loki says, it's too complicated to explain, aka there really isn't an explanation that the writers could think of that everybody would get on board with. We don't have time this episode. Uh... Loki is pleading for help to save the TVA, claiming that it's the only life that Mobius Don has ever known. Mobius Don is wondering about his boys, rightfully so. And then we cut to the scene we just witnessed where Loki is coming up to Mobius Don from about five minutes ago. Loki says he can bring Mobius Don back anytime he wants, and it'll be as if he never left. Loki says all of existence, included Mobius Don's boys, are in danger and that he can't keep anything safe unless Mobius Don helps him. So Mobius Don says he thinks that Mobius is a pretty cool name and then proceeds to leave with them. We then cut back to Dr. B-15, MD's office, and Loki emerges from the portal and tells her, this is going to sound strange. Nice touch on the MD. Patriarchy, right? House MD. We cut back to Alcatraz, where Caseyford slash Frank has successfully escaped Alcatraz. Him and his buddies are coming up on the shore, and Loki comes through the portal and says nothing. What's going on? Can you guys hear me? Am I deaf? 
Can you hear me talking right now? Yes. That's good. Or we cut back to Obi's lab, and Loki has gathered all of the Time Avengers together. Loki walks through the lab where everyone is looking around, except Casey Ferd Frank, who is trying to steal stuff from the lab. Mobius Don tries to make small talk with everyone and eventually wonders if the lab is safe. Insert obligatory, don't worry, there are no civilians around for miles, so when we blow it up later, wink, wink, it will be okay. OBAD says the lab is totally abandoned and no one else is around for miles. Dr. B15MD asks if that's everyone, and Loki says, No. There's one more. We cut back to McDonald's. Sylvie walks out to her truck where a bag of food disappears spaghetti style. So that's not good. Yeah, it did. She had a bag with her and it disappeared. That's how I knew something was up. But how did she not notice that? I don't know. Loki comes back in and says he knows this is going to sound strange and that Sylvie probably doesn't know who he is. But then Sylvie says, Loki, of course I know who you are. Loki, representing the audience, says, how does Sylvie know who he is when everyone else didn't know who he was? They yada yada over this so hard, it's not even funny. Because it's like, I guess the answer, back to the first episode again, the answer is just, forget it, just shut up, nerd. It's probably because she's also a Loki, right? Like, that's the answer? Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably what it is saying how he wasn't sure what he was expecting when the scene to play out loki starts to time slip and sylvie tells him to get in the car to buy him a drink loki recounts to sylvie what happened the last 20 minutes of this episode and how none of this makes sense sylvie thinks it's a good thing that everybody is back to their real lives but loki wonders how many of them would have chosen a real life versus being part of the tva again pointing out how mobius don said that the tva is the only life he's ever known that he likes his life and it gave him purpose. Sylvie says he didn't choose that life, he who remains did. And then Loki says, But Mobius should have a choice now. No? Shouldn't they all? To return to the TVA if they want? Sylvie points out the slippery slope that they're on when everyone had their lives and then they will be shown something that they cannot unsee. She asked what kind of choice is that? Loki replies they didn't get a choice in this and he can't give them the choice without Sylvie. Loki gets frustrated, sees that Sylvie doesn't care, and that she's selfish. Sylvie says she wants a life and she just wants to live. What's wrong with that? And ask Loki. What do you want? uh, First answer, stop he who remains. First off, no. Sylvie tells him to try again. Loki says he wants to save everything, all of it. Like a good coach, Sylvie tells him to keep trying, and Loki finally says, I want my friends back. See, everyone's being a little selfish. Sylvie wants his friends, that's all. What's so hard about that? I mean, it's interesting because these are, other than maybe Thor, and I guess the... The The Warriors 3? Yeah. I mean, but they were Thor's friends. They always kind of didn't like Loki, because he was always scheming. He didn't, like, Loki doesn't really have buddies. I especially felt for Loki in this scene because he finally is admitting that he wants what everybody else has. He wants Mm. friends. He found his pod and now he's losing them. So it's natural that he wants to keep them around and wants to get them back. 
And I'm very glad that he said his friends instead of saying just her as well. Yeah. I'm very glad about that. I like that he's starting to see everyone on Team Loki as important to him, not just, or not even, not even just Mobius and Sylvie. Mm -hmm. It would be very easy to just say Mobius is his friend because he's the one that he's been with the whole time. But like the fact that he would count B-15 and Obi and Casey on that list, it's big growth for Loki. Mm -hmm. And it is the one redeeming thing about this episode it's that moment where loki has the moment of growth that i I really appreciated see this is one of many things that i did like about this episode i'm not going to be one of those people who thinks that this is like the best episode of loki ever but i did like this episode far more than you did and is it in comparison to previous episodes this season Most of the episodes this season haven't been that great. And the only one that I compare this episode to is last week's episode. Where would you rank this episode? It's hard. I'm trying to determine whether I think this episode or Miss Minutes Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is the worst episode. Wow. Okay. To me, ranking these episodes, it's on a pointless scale. I found this episode to be pretty much pointless, Mm. except for this scene. And all I'm doing in my brain is, and I guess guess I'm being unfair because I'm judging the show on what they've given me versus what I want it to be. But at the same time, all I wanted to be was edited. Like, (laughs) there's no reason that you couldn't have figured out a way to get this scene into an edited down version of the last four episodes. I just feel like my time is being wasted now. The Killers of the Flower Moon problem all over again. At this point... All I can see is that they're wasting my time and that my time isn't of value to them. They don't care if they're giving me a five hour movie that really could have been two hours. Sylvie says everyone is where they belong, which prompts Loki to ask. But without them, where do I belong? Sylvie says everyone is writing their own story and now Loki needs to write his own. This is the thing that prompts me to say, are we getting a season three? If Loki doesn't get killed, I think Loki writing his own story in a season three, but I would almost say like, don't even call it Loki season three, give it a new title, but Loki's still the main character. It's a new show. It's a different premise. Loki's the main character writing Mm -hmm. his own story. So we cut back to the lab and Casey Ferd, Frank is wondering how much longer this is going to take. A feeling I also shared about this episode. He has time-sensitive activities that he's itching to get to. Obi points out that he could put any one of them back to where they got them at any time. Casey Ferd asks if the temp head doodad can take them wherever they want to go, like Park or the Grand Canyon, a bank vault. <gasps> There's treasury afoot. Mobius. Dawn asks Dr. B-15MD if she's been out on the water much. Dr. B-15MD lives in the city and doesn't get out on the water much. Being the sales professional that he is, Dawn slash Mobius is trying to sell Dr. B-15MD a jet ski when Loki shows up dejected, saying they should all go home. Back to Sylvie, as she walks into a record shop. The owner of the record shop notices Sylvie has had a rough day and gives her a record to try out that will. This 
We'll either kill what's ailing you or make it a whole lot worse. The song that she's listening to is Velvet Underground's Oh Sweet Nothing, which is what's about to happen to her timeline. Nick, do you like Velvet Underground? I am not a music person. I famously did not know that I was a Beatles fan until Beatles Rock Band came out and I heard the set list and I was like, hey, I know that song. These are all the Beatles? I had no idea. I could very well be a Velvet Underground fan. No clue, unless you start playing me their music. The visuals during this scene are just outstanding. Just so, so good. The record shop owner notices his coffee cup is missing, and then his coffee turns into spaghetti strands of time. He looks outside to see everything is turning to strands of time. He tries to warn Sylvie, but disintegrates himself with everything else. Seeing no other recourse to save her timeline, Sylvie opens up a portal and exits as her timeline becomes nothing. In what should have been the goofiest looking scene ever, I have to say that the way that they animate this is pretty spot on. Like this is, I, this, this is I feel the like they were, they were siphoning out money from the other Marvel projects. That's the only explanation, like how everything else this year, except for Guardians, has looked kind of iffy, but like this looks pretty legit. Between any shot with the loom and mm-hmm. all of this here with strands the of time, time slipping look, I wonder how much all of the visual effects artists on the show hated them. Back in the lab, Mobius slash Don is upset at Loki for getting their hopes up about being saviors of existence, only to backtrack moments later. Don't worry, Don. Sylvie's coming to double backtrack on you very shortly. (laughs) Loki apologizes, recognizing that he was being selfish. Loki recommends that they all go back to their lives, and Caseyford slash Frank is asking if he needs to go back to exactly where they found him when Sylvie comes and warns everyone that everything's falling apart. The branches are dying. And says that there must be something they can do. Loki is elated to have everyone back and calls on OBAD's help to enact the plan, but no one can find the temp pad. Now this makes so much more sense. Where did it go? My initial thought was Casey stole it, but like it's huge. Things have been spaghettifying all over the place. That was the lead up to it. That makes so much more sense now. All right. Everyone looks at Casey and Loki says he could rob every bank he wants, but they need that temp pad. Everyone starts to disintegrate into strands of time-like spaghetti with no meatballs to show for it. Just like in Sylvie's timeline along with everything else around them. Then Sylvie disintegrates, and Loki is all alone again, grasping with his failure. Maybe he is destined to be alone. Loki screams and then time slips back to the moment before Sylvie disappears. He time slips again to the moment before everyone disappears. Loki has somehow figured out how to control his time slipping. Loki says, It's not about where, when, or why. It's about who. And then says he can rewrite his story. 
a time slips back to the moment before Victor walks outside the to the temporal loom, and then we cut to credits. You see, Mike, his real power was the friends he made along the way. And you know what? I know you're saying that condescendingly, but... That is really what happened, though. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it is. So you're going to notice in my top 10 Marvel things... The emotional punches carry a lot more weight for me. Oh, I'm the same way. I didn't find anything emotional about this. That's the problem. The part where Loki says that he doesn't want to be alone because he wants his friends, I give that a lot of weight and a lot of credit because that does show a tremendous amount of growth. When Loki, all he wanted to do was conquer originally. And for all the fumbling that Marvel did with Loki in Thor's two and three to finally get to this point, I think is great. I agree. Yeah. I I like that as well. I, I guess I, is. I guess I just hold much more weight on that than you do because you treat that moment like that is one good part and a lot of other crap. I'm unable to connect with it emotionally because I feel like it's just being thrown in there because they wrote this scene. And had to write backwards, how do we get to this scene? It doesn't flow for me. It doesn't read as genuine. I do like that he considers them all to be his friends. It's like the speed conundrum. Relationships that start from extreme circumstances never work out. I buy the Mobius connection because we've seen them build a relationship all the way from the first episode to now. Likewise with Sylvie, he... From episode five, uh, three in, uh, of the first season till now, he has that relationship with Sylvie that he's built up. He cares about her. The other three, not really. Although over the course of this season, I suppose they're all in this intense situation and they're all working towards the same goal. But in this particular episode, it rings false to me because everyone he's dealing with it's not his friends he's spending the entire episode trying to convince these people that they need to help so that he can have his friends back and i get that that's the point but it doesn't hit me in an emotional way because i don't feel like he's actually lost his friends but he did though he did he lost them at the very beginning of the episode i mean yes he physically lost them but like he found them almost immediately and now He's just got to get their memories back. I guess, yeah, we're just on opposite ends of the spectrum with yeah. this because that did resonate with me. It held a lot of weight. It does not excuse some of the things that just get yada yada over, which a lot does get yada yada over this. Combine that with the visual, just everything in this episode. And I kind of disagree a little bit i do think there are stakes because all these timelines are getting destroyed and i don't know where this is ultimately gonna go and here's my very out there prediction that if this happens this would redeem a whole lot because i am enjoying the second half of the season a lot more than the first half and i don't think anything can be done in the next episode that's going to completely redeem everything but as long as there's something in here that pushes us forward towards Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars or something like that, I'll be good. I don't think that's going to happen. But my ultimate, if this happens, then 
I'm going to walk away from this season very happy. I am hoping for, even though I know I'm not going to get it, I'm hoping for a Deadpool game. That is not where I thought you were going with this. That's well, kind of wild of a, a thought. But haven't you read? Do you have what, some background, like you, is there behind you, the scenes stuff that you have heard? You, well, I've read a lot that they're trying to connect Deadpool 3 to all of this stuff with the multiverse somehow, which I don't understand how they're going to do that. And there is reports slash rumors that something's going to happen with Deadpool in order for him to get pulled into all of these like Fox X-Men multiverse stuff. So, and I've heard that something's going to involve the TVA in Deadpool 3. That would make sense. I would I would hope that if it's not a mutant sending him through the multiverse or an America Chavez. Chavez, America Chavez. I got it that time. Yeah, if it's not America Chavez either, then the TVA is the most likely suspect. I I don't know. Like it wouldn't make a lot of sense, seems, but it means it seems so out there. And as much as that would be a bold step in connecting anything right now i don't even think i would like that because now think about it renslayer and miss minutes was last week their last episode are we just done with them are they still the antagonists that we need to worry about next week because i don't see how you can adequately wrap up this story their story brad's story brad was brad even brad was still downstairs in the war room He's gone because everybody in the TBA is well, but is but gone. look, he just reset the whole episode back to the end of last episode, so he's not gone. Everyone's back. Did Everything's he re- back? Episode Wait a five did, means did he, nothing, and episode he, four is leading into both episode five and episode six. Did he reset it or did he go to a different time, a different branch? The TBA doesn't exist on the timeline, so the sacred timeline. And the TVA are the two constants of the show. When you're on the sacred timeline, nothing changes. When you're on the TVA, nothing changes. It's only the branch timelines that anything's possible, I suppose. This leads to my other issue with the episode. The whole consequences. I don't remember if we talked about this on record or off record. The whole (laughs) consequences of everyone's plot threads. The beginning of the season, Loki is terrified that he who remains variants are going to start popping up everywhere because the sacred timeline is no longer sacred and is being allowed to create branches and without pruning any of the branches it will lead to more kangs and they were trying to get the loom fixed to allow for more branches so that B15 could be happy, but I get and I guess maybe that would mitigate the number of Kangs. Like if you, you only have like 20 extra Kangs, that's no big deal. But like if the loom breaks, then you get an infinite number of Kangs. And that's where you get your problem. But now they're saying that it's not what's gonna happen. Sounds to me like that's a best case scenario. How does this also affect the the sacred timeline? There are too many questions. For me to be won over by a single emotional and the show, looking at the show as a whole, 
up to this point, just more confusion. And I feel like my time is just being wasted. I don't know why they can't seem to pick a lane. Like, are we worried about Kangs? Are we worried about everything being disintegrated forever? Is it the branches that are just disintegrating? What's happening? Also, how are you going to wrap this up in 40 minutes? Or maybe 50 minutes? I was about to say, I feel like next week's episode is going to be like an hour. So, do we dare even go with the He Who Remains Award this episode? I'll take you home and lock you in a nice little cage and never, never, ever let you out. Do you imprison everything you like? Of course. Be so sexy, I'm gonna die. The Moopsie is Nars' favorite. Moopsie. Uh, do you have one? Because I'm struggling to find oh, one. Oh, it's the record store guy. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. I was going to go with the bartender who correctly... Nice. Pred- yeah, he seemed nice. And then Mobius's kid, Sean. Not Kevin, because Kevin burns stuff and runs away. Sean's a good kid. Maybe. But, I mean, he's that got that bad Kevin influence. The record store guy seemed to be the best... He was even turning into spaghetti, trying to warn Sylvie. That's a good guy right there. Well, that's going to do it for He Who Remains. Let's move on to our next segment, The Sacred Timeline. You know, my pep have always said, if you want to do something right, you make a list. It's making a list. I'll put it on the list. It's quite an impressive list. Thank you. In this segment, Nick and I are going to do the impossible task of ranking our favorite Marvel movies and then we will collectively rank them in one unit list no branches no variants only the mcu proper today we are ranking 16 through 9 then we will do the rest in the next episode and nick you know what i'm gonna take the liberty and i'm gonna start this week so that you can react to some of my stuff Ooh, i like so my number 16 is loki (laughs) and it's it's an audio daily double! And now I'm surrounded by variants of myself, plus an alligator, which I'm heartbroken to report I didn't even find all that strain. It depends on how this season wraps up. Oh, I'm gonna tell you right now, the only reason it's 16 is because we already did the other ones. <laughs> it's so dropping. So the first season was just that good that it really was. I think this is just a product of the current state of Marvel that the second season hasn't turned out the way that it's it's hoped. And I actually think that you and I are kind of in the minority on this. I'm seeing a lot of memes out there where, you know that scene in Spider-Man Homecoming where Spider-Man is holding together the boat? The, the boat and in the oh. like, people are saying... That That Loki is somehow saving the MCU right now? Yeah. I think a lot of people can't get past the fact that they love Tom Hiddleston. I think that they've got Tom Hiddleston blinders on. So what? I I get, like, Tom Hiddleston is that good. That fifth episode where they go to the place where everything gets pruned and they meet all the different Loki variants who are survivors, like, that episode was fantastic. And the episode where Loki and Sylvie cause the event, which causes, like, they, they do the paradox where they start to, they almost kiss each other. And that that spikes the thing and Mobius finds them. That, that was a great moment and a great episode. It had a great mystery to it. The finale was not just, I mean, technically it was the same on same fight because the end Loki and Sylvie ended up fighting each other. But 
the whole he who remains part of it. I, I just, I love that whole bit. Everything that I wanted from the show, it delivered. And even things I didn't know I wanted, it delivered. My number 15 is uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. And okay, a little bit higher than me. Yeah, yeah. There's there's going to be a couple things that we're definitely going to have to figure out how we mm, how compromise. we how we compromise on that, which I'll be very curious about that. I liked First Avenger because it's, it's different from a lot of the other movies because it's set in World War II. I bought into the relationship between Steve and all these different people. I think Steve and Bucky, you get a good foundation of where their friendship is. I like the relationship between Steve and Peggy and how she started to notice him a lot when he was in basic training. I bought into, like, I even bought into the relationship between Steve and Stanley Tucci's character as well. Their talk at the beginning is among one of my favorite anything, like favorite conversations in any Marvel anything so i really liked first avenger and just what it ultimately sets up and i was someone who was skeptical that chris evans could be a good captain america and this this just proved that the guy the guy has what it takes well i'd be lying if i said i wasn't on the same boat it the the comedian who played the human torch like i said uh maybe a couple weeks ago like everything 20 and up I just love it's just the ordering at this point. Like I just love some a little bit more, but you are 100% correct in all of your opinions on this movie. Cause it is fantastic. Uh, what's your number 15? My number 15 is Thor Ragnarok. Hey, let's do get help. What? Get help. No, come on. You love it. I hate it. It's great. It works every time. It's humiliating. Do you have a better plan? No, we're doing it. Uh, this is one I really love. I just have a blast with it every time. It only gets better with each passing watch. It's just a ton of fun. From the introduction of Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie to Loki getting excited when Thor gets his butt kicked by Hulk. The Hulk showing up. I love that he's a friend from work. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff Gold- and then Jeff Goldblum's assistant lady, who is Taika Waititi like, regular. Yeah, Taika Waititi regular, who is definitely a a, a dark individual, which I mm-hmm. thought is, is so funny. The only negative I could possibly say about this movie is that I feel that Hella and Carl Urban, the executioner, right? Yeah. The executioner. I mean, you're proving your point for you is yeah. that. Yeah, the Car- Carl Urban's character and Hella were very underwritten and underserved. And I feel like that was the only weak spot of the movie. But that being said, it's Kate Blanchett and Carl Urban. So they make the most of what they were given. And I still enjoy them for the most part. It's just their scenes tend to drag and not be as great. But otherwise, just a fun, funny movie I have very similar thoughts. We'll, I will not be talking about Thor Ragnarok this week. Oh, obviously means it'll. I'll talk about it next week. Wow, that's super cool. All right, so then what is your number 14? My number 14 is WandaVision. But what is grief? If not love, persevering. Whoa! Yeah, yeah we're going to have problems. <laughs> our lists. Yeah, so... 
because this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a bit of a jerk, but I cannot put WandaVision above any of these other movies. And WandaVision, I think it's the best that Marvel TV has to offer. I think the only thing that Marvel has done better from a TV perspective, other than WandaVision, is Daredevil and the first season of Jessica Jones. WandaVision. Yeah, technically, it was a completely different creative team behind everything. I know, it's, but it's it was it's, a split. Yeah, this is like MCU light. Mm. I think also the reason why WandaVision didn't make it higher on my list is because the Agatha part of it just wasn't as big of a fan of. So, but it was her all along, and also the waste of Evan Peters as well, just for okay. a just for a boner joke. But I liked everything else about this. I love the Scarlet Witch reveal. I love the each week there is like a different TV show and I love how they connected it. These were shows that she watched. I like kind of laying down the foundation that Wanda kind of did this as a coping mechanism and that she is I bought even like Darcy's inclusion in this. Oh, I love how they they took a completely obnoxious annoying character that had no business being in any movies and turned her into one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's an amazing magic trick. But the real reason why is because I feel like WandaVision is the only thing the MCU has done where they've actually utilized Elizabeth Olsen as an actress. That's everything, for sure. Everything else that she has been in has been subdued or just not utilizing her to to the best of her ability. And I feel like WandaVision did that. I thought Vision in this was pretty good. I've never been a huge fan of Vision throughout the course of the MCU. And this is the only thing that he he did other than another one that I I was like, okay, I can get on board with Vision for this. So, yeah. That's WandaVision, number 14. Uh, what's your number 14? My number 14. Now we're going to go for the next couple. We're going to go through ones that uh, you've already talked about. Uh, We will not be talking about WandaVision today for me. But uh, my number 14 is this is where I have She-Hulk. I really enjoyed She-Hulk a lot. I, I recognize that there are some issues. I personally never was bothered by the CGI of it all. I kind of feel like you got yourself a giant green lady on a television program. Of course, it's not going to look perfect, but I don't know. I, that I, it hit me comedy wise in exactly the right way. Like I thought Tatiana Maslany is just amazing. I fell in love with her in this show. The jokes played for the most part, that episode with the 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 quasi magician guy mm-hmm. had me rolling on the floor. I was so tickled by that episode. It was so funny. Um, did Wong show up a little too much? Maybe. That's that is that is not a She Hulk problem. That's an MCU problem. That's an MCU problem. But like, it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madison, of course worked uh madison a character that absolutely should not have worked somehow works 
Don't even ask me why. I mean, maybe I'm a different person now than I would it was however many years ago. But I could tell you right now, that character walked on screen and I was ready to roll my eyes all out of my head. And somehow did she just charmed the pants off of me. Mm-hmm. And I know that these are all the same episode that I keep uh, praising, but like I, I enjoyed her arc. I, I kind of like that they moved because originally the, the backstory was supposed to be episode eight and they oh. moved it to the first episode. And I think that was such a smart move. Yeah. I I don't think that that would have been a great episode eight at all. Like, it would have it would have felt like a lot like this week where they 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 lead you up to something and then and now for something completely different and then make you wait a whole other week to get the conclusion like that I think that's that's really weird storytelling the fact that they gave it to us right up front I think was perfect like the cameos in it worked for me I really liked the introduction of the wrecking crew and how they were utilized. I think that that's hilarious that they even introduced the wrecking crew into the MCU. That's that's wild to me. Um, I think that the uh, the doofy bro guy who in the fake ending turned himself into a Hulk. Mm-hmm. I think that was a stupid story. And I'm glad that they addressed that immediately and then made it not the ending. I think that was so smart because they were they were building to that joke. Uh, I love Daredevil. I know you you said you weren't 100% thrilled with it. I loved him. Oh, playing. wait, 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 wait. No, no, I didn't. Did not. I misunderstand you, you? You misunderstood me. Okay, I, I thought you were loved... saying it wasn't necessary. No, absolutely not. No, okay. here's here's kind of, here's what I said about Daredevil. I... I thought that Matt Murdock representing someone in California. Oh, well, that's fair. Didn't make any sense, but it was the only way to get him into, into, into this other than like having him show up at like a lawyer conference, something like that. That that's, that's fair. I misunderstood you from the previous week. However, I will then segue that into another thing that I really found to be funny was that whether intentionally or not, the writers clearly have no idea how a courtroom works. No, no, absolutely not. I think that that worked to the the show's benefit. I, I think it was so funny, the fact that that's not how the law works. It's a show about lawyers. That just, I, I don't know why, it's just really funny to me. So for whatever, all of that together, and then the, the finale with Kevin the Robot, just, I I, I I couldn't help but love this show. It was so funny. And I said it a couple weeks ago, the more different and the more original and the less like everything else you are, the more I'm going to enjoy it and rank it higher because it stands out to me as unique. And that's something that the MCU did at first, but then got away from because they had all these extra sequels. So like, you know, it's hard to, 
it's hard to say, oh, they're so fresh and original when you're getting, you know, Captain America three, Iron Man three, Thor three. Like it I this was this was something that I very much enjoyed. What's your number thirteen? My number thirteen is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. And okay. so I think the only thing that I can really knock for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is that this this did not feel like and this I don't think this has anything to do with the movie. I think it has to do with the publicity around the movie. This was not a goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy as we know it. This felt like a more of a goodbye to James Gunn. And that's the only thing that I kind of struggled with this. Otherwise, I love pivoting and making Rocket the focus of this. And they were leading up to this throughout the second Guardians movie and then um, Infinity War and Endgame. But to make him the central character, I thought was great. Adam Warlock is there, mm-hmm. I guess. And he had it. He definitely had his moments. I will give him that. I walked out of that theater saying, if you are a fan of Adam Warlock, I cannot imagine you liked this movie very much. This because... that is that is very true. The representation is not great. Yeah. In this. Plus, also, he's not given a whole lot to do. Mm-hmm. This um, is true. But again, he's like a godlike character who's overpowered to the extreme. I I kind of prefer him not being like the comics because that's another Captain Marvel that problem that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um I think that this this one out of all like just taking the Guardians movies, I think this has perhaps some of the most emotional moments of any MCU oh, movie, like let alone the Guardians movies, which do sport a lot of emotional moments as it is. And I think the only thing that I really wasn't sure about slash wasn't on board with was Gamora. I just was like, eh. The inclusion of Gamora, although necessary because of how it was handled in Endgame, it did feel a little off. Yeah. I I I very much appreciated that she was allowed to be included, especially in that that amazing hallway scene. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it it was a little disappointing. I I wish we had gotten another special that maybe would have covered Gamora a bit more. Like I I don't know. So it clearly they didn't have time to do it in the movie, but like I feel like it's something that still needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh what's your number 13? My number this is where I have Hawkeye. Um wow. very along the same lines of what I said about She-Hulk. This this show I thought was super funny. I really loved Kate Bishop and uh, and uh, Haley Steinfeld's performance as the character is just so much fun. Um, I love the inclusion of Yelena. 
I think that the the way that they paced the show was done well. Uh, the, the show plays a lot better on rewatch. Like watching it week to week is one thing, but like binging it plays a lot better. And I I just I like how it's a character that's kind of silly. They they aren't afraid to poke fun at that. And then also, I read the Matt Fraction run, um, which I have the whole collection. It's this big old thick book. And a lot of stuff from that book was in it. And I guess he also was kind of an executive producer on the show. So, like, there, there's so much in it that I paid homage to the, the comic, uh, the general storyline pays homage in a way and i just i had a a lot of fun with it watching it during christmas the year it came out it it just felt right like it it made me have that like christmas nostalgia be like oh it's something fun to watch at christmas time and i like i like the christmas setting i like the extra characters i'd say the larpers were maybe my one negative but i love the bros they're all real fun I just I just really felt at home with the Hawkeye series. Uh there wasn't there wasn't a ton for me to to dislike. So enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Cool. I need to rewatch it. We're coming up on the holidays. It's time for a rewatch. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to your number 12. My number 12 is the winter soldier and yeah we've we've hashed it out with the winter soldier i i like tell me all the things you like about it so winter soldier used to be so much higher on my list yeah same it would it was never number one and i think it's just the product of just the quality of other stuff that's come out from agreed from Marvel. And I think like you've you've kind of touched on a lot of this. I I think this version of Black Widow is among one of my one of my favorites. Yes. She she's great in this. I loved uh, uh, the introduction of uh, of Sam Wilson in this is great. Plus with Steve, I think I think this is perhaps maybe his strongest portrayal as Captain America in this. And also until Endgame, maybe. Yeah, that's probably probably true. So I don't know. Like I, I think this one also should get a little bit of credit because it was the beginning. It, it's it's the one where it had the guts to take down shield as well. Yeah. And I, I'm a a little torn because sometimes I think, boy, if they would have had the stones to actually kill Nick Fury in this, I think that would have been cool, but also I get it because you can't have Nick Fury go out like that in, in this. So I think what they should have done 
was made us think they killed Nick Fury, and instead of getting us the reveal later, save him for a later movie. Yeah. Have him show back up and everyone is like, oh, he's oh, alive. Yeah. And it and because like I don't know how familiar you were with the, the Secret Invasion comics, but there is an awesome moment. Now he wasn't dead, but there was an awesome moment where he was missing for a while. And then he shows back up with a team of quasi Avengers who had been replaced by Skrulls. And it was like this huge moment, like Nick Fury's back and he's got a team of awesome people who we thought were all dead and or bad guys. Like it, it was cool. So like a moment like that is what Nick Fury needed. But we just we've yet to get that. So, mm. OK. All right. What is your number 12? Number 12 for me. This is where I have the first Black Panther movie. I love this movie. I walked out of the theater the very first night I saw it, and my exact words out of my mouth were, if that movie doesn't win an Oscar for best original score, I will eat my hat. And sir, <laughs> I never had to eat said hat, because <laughs> when it did, I love the music of this movie. Mm -hmm. I love all the characters in this movie. This movie is such a testament to the acting talent that the worst character in the movie was Black Panther. <laughs> Which and and that's and I'm when I say that please don't misinterpret me. He was amazing, but like he was the he was least, the least he character. was the least interesting he character. He was the least interesting right. character of all the introduced characters. I couldn't believe that. That's how great everyone was from his mother to his sister, to his best friend, to his, his bodyguard, to freaking just ever. Okay. Maybe, maybe Everett Ross was the least interesting character, but of the core Black mm -hmm. Panther team, like, like, and that, that's a magic trick on itself. Like if you, you introduce like five brand new characters and they're all freaking amazing, like, Everything about this movie was great. Freaking Michael B. Jordan. My goodness. Up until Wakanda Forever confirmed that he was in fact actually dead. I I was convinced that he was not. Like oh. with all of they brought they brought Everett Ross back from the brink of death. Why couldn't they do the same for him? He, they were already in Wakanda. Put one of those beads in him. And I get him to a med bay. Like, and I I was convinced that we were gonna find out that he was in a, a Wakandan prison and he'd eventually come back for like Black Panther 3. But mm. oh well, that's not what happened. I actually really do like the way he was used in Black Panther 2, but the uh the just just everything about him, like that's how you do a villain who is wrong but also kind of right. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you do it. And it just, it was great. My only negative from this movie are the CGI rhinos yeah. and the PlayStation two graphic fight between <laughs> the two of them at the end. That that's it. Those are the only two complaints that I have about this movie. Everything else is just 
fantastic. Love it. Probably should be higher on my list. But I there there are a few things that edge out the rest of the movies from here on out. Hmm. Okay. They, namely, they don't have CGI rhinos or PS2 graphic fights. Okay. Hmm. Uh, oh, that would take us to your number 11. Now, I... I are you about to have a hot take? No, I don't okay. know. Maybe this is a hot take. I don't know. My number 11 is Avengers Endgame. That would be a hot take. I That's don't think it's a hot interesting. take. Interesting. So, I've, I've thought about this for a very long time. And here's the thing with Avengers Endgame that I will say. So, first of all, Avengers Endgame is probably the best theater-going experience that I've had with a Marvel movie ever. Maybe ever. Because Agreed. So, because there's just so many great moments uh, in this. However, the reason why, it, like, first of all, it's it's my number 11. So everybody calm the fuck down. Yeah, it's like it's pretty freaking awesome. We get it's it. still it's still pretty great. This is a movie where the more you think about it, the more that the more that you struggle with it because the whole time heist, it's it's that middle part that just I I struggle with a lot. And okay. and unfortunately, I think this this whole time heist also is part of the reason why some of the stuff in this phase four is just phase four. And even now extending into phase five is just not working. So show your work. Um, I I'm just curious, it, like what, what about it? The, the whole explanation that they do with using an extra using an extra dimension and the or using the the microverse as the catalyst to be the thing that helps them with these helps them like find all of these stones in various timelines i i it's just is it because they call it time travel when realistically it's universe hopping? It's branch. They're jumping to different branches on the timeline. Yes. Without a TVA device. Like Tony Stark sure. created his own TVA device. Sure. Prior to the TVA being built. Or no, being before the TVA was introduced. Introduced. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um. So that's that's part of it. And then also. I, I feel like. We're running into these same issues in in Loki. We're running into these same issues with Ant Man and the Wasp. Like we can't really, we can't, we can't really get a good grasp on all of this. And and a lot of this was introduced in in Endgame. So so I think I I have issues with that. I'm not thrilled that they killed Scarlett Johansson, but I get it as well. Well, like, he killed the Black Widow. Scar Scarjo's okay. Okay, fine. 
Fine. <laughs> they they killed Black Widow in this. I'm I'm not thrilled with that, but I get it. I guess it was um, surprising. I have to say, I didn't see it coming. At uh, no, as soon as as soon as I saw that they paired Clint and uh, yeah, well, Black yeah. Widow, Black Widow together, I was like, "There's no way that they're gonna kill the guy with the fan." And also, there's no after, way that after. Well, After, I mean, I don't know. They could go pretty dark. Oh, yes, they killed they killed Tony Stark with all of that. Yeah, that's true. But also, I didn't like the clear setup for Loki season, like the first season of Loki. I I that extra step that they had to take to get Tony and Cap to to you know meet tony's father all of that i don't know i i wasn't i i get it i like that part because i think they gave tony a sense of catharsis i just also didn't think it was necessary as well it also set up cap wanting to go back to peggy yep i kind of liked yeah um, and we got to and we got to see young hank pym Oh yeah, there there was that too. <laughs> I I thought it was a bold choice to go five years into the future. I did too. Yeah. I um and again, that's something that is having reverberations with what's gonna happen. Like because because also the thing is is that this also presents a pivot point because should they because this presents should they have even done this as well and i get why they wanted to do this but because of this then you have all these people who have moved on with their lives what are they going to do with they going to do about all that what happens to all the people who who's was on a plane they got blipped and then all of a sudden they come back and they're just going to plummet to their deaths because they got Blipped back in. Listen, man, you're asking 2019 questions in 2023. They already told us those people, the Hulk wished for everyone to land, to come back safely. So if right. they were on a plane, they were in on the, they came back on the ground. You're, you're right. There are tons yeah. of questions. There's what some- happened to the people who came back in the middle of traffic? Like it's yeah. just, so, because you saw in the Spider-Man Far From Home, they just showed up on the basketball court. What if there was a basketball game at that point? Right, People are smashing right. into each other. So there's that. And I guess I think the last thing is the the Fat Thor stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the Fat Thor. It has grown on me over time, it, actually. It has grown on me as well. The Fat Thor part of it didn't bother me as much. Because, like... I can totally understand how somebody could, given what happens to him in Infinity War and the beginning part of Endgame, him becoming Fat Thor makes total sense. I think this is where we get the beginning parts of Thor's just becoming a joke. And that's that's something that I wasn't thrilled with. You take all of those aside, and this is a pretty outstanding the last third of this movie is fantastic. I think the only qualms that I have about the final parts of this movie are the three most powerful characters in 
in this battle sequence, which I think would be what? Doctor Strange, Wanda, Captain Marvel, right? Uh, it, like my, my maybe, maybe put maybe put Thanos oh. over Cap Doctor Strange. No, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying oh, just heroes, heroes, hero side. And yeah, I think you nailed and, it. And then you have Hulk in there as well. Well, and actually, Hulk Wong, Wong, because Wong is the official Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> um, but you've got a clear problem when you have to take those three out at some point in order yeah. for everything to to kind of transpire forward. It goes back to the Russos having trouble directing action. They did a better job this time than they did with Civil War. But yeah, like at no point did anyone go, hey, three regular wizards, come take over for Doctor Strange, who could probably do a hell of a lot more than you guys. Uh-huh helping rather than holding back this mountain of water like you you have three guys on the field taking off not a big deal like little things like that yeah i i totally agree with yeah. you that there's some logistical errors that yeah just eh. but uh again other than those this is one where you have to see it in theaters and the audience reaction i'm usually not I hate audience participation in movies. And this is one of the only ones where I'm like, fine, go for it. I get it. It's all good. I don't mind audience participation for stuff like this. Yeah. Don't go. Don't clap at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, the people who made it aren't there. Unless you're at a special screening. I don't want to hear you clapping. Who yeah. are you clapping for? Stop being ridiculous. I, but- I would agree with that, but this this is a movie that this is the only movie that I've ever seen where I could equate this to kind of like being at a rock concert with how oh yeah absolutely or a sporting event yeah yeah it was it was an amazing experience we had like the worst seats ever too like we were off to the side and down at the bottom like but it didn't matter yeah it was so amazing we were sitting next to an obnoxious clapper. He was clapping for far too long before and after scenes were over. Like, dude, read the room. It's over. Stop. But like, it didn't matter. It was just so amazing. I'll talk. We'll talk about it more next week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Endgame. You bring up all valid qualms. Yeah. I particularly had none of those qualms. Because at the end of the day, I could say, well, Doctor Strange saw all the millions of futures, so he didn't help because that's exactly because if he had helped, then they wouldn't have won. We don't know that, so that's the answer. Well, we well we do we do know that because they won, so everything happened exactly how it was supposed to happen in um, order for that one way to work. Unless he interfered with it, but who knows? Who knows? What's your number eleven? My number 11, 11, no, is uh, Werewolf by Night in black and white. Okay. Black and white. Have you seen it in color yet? I have not. No, I still haven't seen it in color. Are you, so is it because of a time thing or are you boycotting? I have absolutely no interest to watch it in color. Um, I'm not boycotting it per se, but like we watched it a couple weeks ago. Uh, 
and I watched the black and white version, and I'm not going to watch it again in color. But there is a small part of me that absolutely right now, after it's been released, does not want to give them that extra click. <laughs> so maybe in a couple months, I might I might check it out in color. Yeah, that's it. Um, no, I really... This is, like like I said, I'm a broken record on this one today. The more different and weird you are, the better. And this was the first special that they did. And I immediately fell in love with this format. I'm like, give me this. Give me all of this. It gives you just enough story that it's fun. It makes sense. It's a good time. It leaves you with a ton of questions. But like none are so dire that you're upset you don't get answers to them. And then it answers a bunch of stuff that you had questions to. So like you you feel satisfied by the end of it and you are excited to see these characters again. I would love to say that what annoys me about it is the fact that we have yet to see these characters again, nor have we yet to hear a timeline of when we might see these characters again. But that's not this episode's fault. That's Marvel's planning fault. I mean, by all, I mean, honestly, we should have gotten a werewolf by night two this Halloween instead of just making it in color. Whatever. They made something truly unique and special that is different from every other thing in the MCU. And I love it and I'm here for it and I want more of it. And that is why it is so much higher on my list. They should have called the second one Werewolf Tonight. Ah, that would have been great. We're, With the Zaniac. Yeah, we're just not getting that, though, which sucks. Yeah. Maybe someday. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Uh, two more. And we're f- and look at that. We're finally. Do you want to just time. do the. Wanna just do the nine tonight? Well, yeah, because we've got 10 just nine. That's my number 10 is Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it, okay? That's my number 10 also. Look at that. Hey, two daily doubles in one show. Love it. We we haven't had that since the first. First episode, uh, first yeah. Group. So, Spider-Man Homecoming, they introduced him in Civil War, which I was thrilled with. If... If this is how, if this is how Peter Parker is gonna be, he's just a kid. I I want to see how he can do on his own, and this was great. It is a uniquely high school movie, mm-hmm. so I give the MCU a lot of credit for that. I think it does a it's it had a bit of a tough task with introducing a lot of these spy friends that he has. Like Ned's a great guy in the chair. And yeah, he is fantastic and a great best friend to to Peter. Um, I'm looking at porn. porn. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I, I really thought that Michael Keaton's turn as the Vulture was really oh, great. Amazing. He, I there was a little think- Beetlejuice in the car there, and I loved it. I don't think he gets enough credit for for what he's done as as Vulture. I don't because he shows up he in not. he shows up in 
Morbius, unfortunately. And uh, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. And I don't even think he knows he was in Morbius. Probably not. But I don't know. Like, I, I think it was an inspired choice how they connected him with with Peter as well. That was, I agree. That was that was great. That was a turn I didn't see coming at all. Mm-hmm. Like should have, but didn't. And yeah. and that not only that initial theater going experience was so great because not only did I not see it coming, but it only enhanced the following scene where they're in the car and Peter is like freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then Keaton is in the front seat asking questions and slowly putting it he together figures himself. It out. Yeah, he figures oh, it out. I loved it. It was yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything about this movie, I just it was everything I wanted a Spider-Man movie to be. Everything that I didn't get previously. And I love Tom Holland. I love I really love Marissa Tomei. I hear she's a fan of short, stocky, bald men. So <laughs> I'm almost all the way there. But uh, I, she is just, I'm in love with her. And she's the perfect Aunt May. And everyone in it, it was so much fun. And he was doing fun high school things. The comedy in it is hilarious. When he goes and tries to shoot his web in the suburbs and there's nothing for it to latch onto. And then you see him running across the 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 golf course. I died. I died. I love how how Donald Glover is uh Prowler in yeah. this. A precursor to Prowler. Uh-huh. That was awesome. The only like I said a couple weeks ago, the only negative I have is that all the action scenes were filmed incredibly dark, hard to see what's going on, and that was its only downfall. Other than the the boat scene, but uh, like and that boat scene, oh man, that boat scene was so good. Yeah. So here's here's a question I have for you. So, as someone who loves Spider Man, I'm very curious to hear how you feel about his suit. I liked his suit. I thought it was a fun suit. I don't. I understand the complaint. That it's like an Iron Man suit. But I think that it adds a fun element that we don't get in other movies. Like, it's something new. Like, it always... Because, like, there's that's the question. It's the catch-22 of he either gets a suit given to him by someone who has the resources to make a suit. Or he's suddenly a master seamstress. Who yeah. is able to put together this pristine, perfect costume? That makes mm-hmm. no sense either. Like either way, how he procure, procures his suit makes no sense. Yeah. So in this, at least story-wise, Tony Stark made him a suit. He saw yeah. the suit that he had, he was using, which his original sweatpants suit, totally perfect. Mm-hmm. Makes That's exactly what Spider-Man's first suit should look like. I I like how 
they immediately in the sequel got rid of all the bells and whistles and let him build his own extra suit to get him closer to where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But I think that the the addition of Karen, the suit lady, and just all the fun little doodads that Tony Stark put into it was fun. And at the core, he never was little iron boy yeah. in the suit. All yes. of these things are things that, like, if you play a Spider-Man video game, he has all of this gadget nonsense. Like, Tony Stark may have made it, but, like, it was all pretty, what's the word? True to the Ingrained character. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, it's all stuff that we've seen before. I don't have a problem with him getting there in a different way. Because, realistically, Spider-Man, in any of the other movies, doesn't use his webs like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no instant kill mode. There's no like electric web. They're, like, even though these are all things that we've seen in like video games and the comic books, eventually they never get to it because it's usually older Peter that gets all that stuff. I like the idea that they've slowly progressed his suit back to basics. Yeah. But we've now been able to see the fun stuff. And so, like, if he introduces something fun later on, we can go, oh, so he got, you know, he he took somebody, the, the tech that he used to have, and he built his own version of it. Or mm-hmm. he built something new to do something different. I, 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 I've always liked it because it never felt overly Iron Man-ish. Yes. And I, I agree with that 100%. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was kind of cool. And also from a story standpoint, it just, it makes total sense. Exactly. Um, And then when Tony takes the suit away from him, that it's a perfect message Mm -hmm. that he, he needs to do it without the suit. It's not the suit that's important. Yes. And then that's the, that's the other thing. I thought how they used Iron Man in this was great because agreed previews made it seem like he was going to be more involved in this. And this is where I have to take Marvel to task with some of their trailers because they sometimes they portray something. This is how it's going to be. And then you get the exact opposite. That is completely Mm -hmm. different from what a trailer should do. Like trailers should give you just enough to get you interested in the movie. If you go to the movie and the trailer did nothing but lie to you, you do not want the trailer to set up a false narrative just to give you just to show you something that is not going to happen just so that you're surprised. That's, that's not okay for a trailer to do like that scene in the trailer where Iron Man is flying with Spider-Man right behind him. Never, not even in the movie. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell you if there was a scene that they cut out of the movie that had that scene in it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was, I think that was purely a trailer shot. It's the same thing in infinity war. I give them a bit of a pass there because what could have been the most spoiled movie of the year, I can understand why they would want to maybe slide in some fake scenes to throw people off the scent. Because everyone was trying to get a scoop on that that stinking movie. I Yes. So many people were trying to spoil it for everyone before it even came out. I feel like they were doing that for us as opposed to to try and trick us. That, okay. That's me, at least. Okay. Sure. But every other time they've done it is stupid. 
Yeah. I'll I'll give you that much. Uh, Infinity War, I'll give them a pass. But everything else, stop putting fake shit in your trailers. Yes. Spider-Man Homecoming, both of our number 10s, sets up a great trilogy. I I do agree with the people who say that Guardians is probably Marvel's strongest trilogy. I don't think enough people give Spider-Man that same due, though. Funny enough, I agree with you, and not for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like everybody, everybody discounts the first two and loves the third one, and I'm the opposite. But again, that's exactly why I wouldn't say Spider Man's their strongest. I think Guardians is their strongest because even two, as being the weaker of the three in that trilogy, is still pretty great. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for our secret timeline for this week. What do we have coming up next week, Nick? Next week's episode of Loki Season 2, Episode 6, once again, Title Not Found. But this is it. This is our season finale. For... The season finale of Loki. And I'd love to say my normal spiel of... But that's not the next episode in your podcast feed. But actually, no, that will be the next episode in your podcast feed because Lower Decks is done, baby. And we are going back to a one a week format for the time being. Might be out on Wednesdays. We haven't really discussed this yet. We we'll see. Discussed. Maybe we maybe, maybe middle of the week it instead of a Tuesday, Thursday drop. We'll do maybe a Wednesday. We'll see. We'll see what our schedules look like. But mm -hmm. uh, know that there will be one episode a week in your, your podcast feed moving forward and now that lower decks has also finished up and we announced it last week we will be moving on to star wars ahsoka come december so there will be a couple fun episodes in your bonus in your podcast feed as a bonus uh we will be doing our full movie rankings we will be doing a special episode the week of thanksgiving that will tease right now it's marvel adjacent so we'll We'll give you a, a more direct answer in the weeks to come. Until next time, please like, subscribe, disintegrate into a pile of spaghetti at a record store, share the podcast, and rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. Also, you can find us on social media. I'm on Blue Sky Twitter and Letterboxd at Jagged2319. I'm on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Serialized at MLHilty2452. You can also contact the show at GeekSpeakLouder at gmail.com or on Blue Sky at GeekSpeakLouder.bsky.social or by searching GeekSpeakLouder the Nerds. Join our Facebook group and follow us on Twitter at GeekSpeakLoud because the er was just too many characters for Elon Musk. Until next time, I'm Mike Hilty. And I'm Nick Farrow. Thank you for tuning in to Geeks Speak Louder Than Nerds. Bye, everybody. Catchphrase. Docs in a box.